Okay, welcome to another edition of the ONG Strike Zone live and direct homecoming week. Uh, Brian Fulford, Kelvin Rozier, Kofi Hemingway, happy homecoming, Rattlers. How you fellas doing? Doing great. Doing wonderful, man. You know, got my, my, my homecoming gear going and everything, you know, my, my drip, my homecoming drip. So it's all love. I, I see. You know, I, I wish we would have... Uh, thought to get a collection of photos of uh, you and your fabulous orange and green wear. Nobody does it better during homecoming week than uh, Mr. Kevin Rozier. Kevin, just let the people know what, what goes into the haberdashery that, uh, that, that is the, uh, that is the Rozier house and the, and the orange and green collection. What, what goes into putting the outfits together? You know, I'm not a man of your stature with, 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 with that kind of taste. <laughs> Uh, so, you know, for, for those who are a little less, uh, you know, styled, what, what goes into it? Well, you know, um, first of all, it starts with uh, you, you shop year-round. Because orange and green just ain't something that's on the shelf usually. So uh, as you come across things, you know, and, and you make sure you have selections. And the one thing I would say is that... Uh, um it matters that you pay attention to the details so uh if you see me homecoming week it, it's shoes it's the socks it's the watch it's the jewelry it's the pins you know every aspect is orange or green every aspect is rattler so you know um in terms of from day to day man you know at this point i got so much there's a lot of selection so it's just basically what i'm feeling right and what I think look good. So uh, sometimes, previous years, I've laid the whole week out prior to homecoming. This year, it's been, been a bit more impulsive. But, man, just trying to keep it going, man, because when I don't, or when people don't see those pictures, man, my phone blow up. <laughs> so I'm locked in now. <laughs> right, right. Um I, I, and speaking of you know, all orange, uh, as you can see, we are all orange. I just saw a, a post go out that our beloved football program will be wearing the all orange uh, this this upcoming weekend uh, for the homecoming game, which seems, which is uh, that's a that's a tradition. I would I would say, as far as I can think back, we've normally always worn the all orange. Uh, Kofi, how you doing today? I'm doing great, sir. How are you? Man, I'm I'm blessed to you know not gonna complain. Uh, what 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 can we expect from the hundred during homecoming week this year? Um, well, in previous years, you know, this having been this was my least favorite time of the year because it's so busy. You have your um your night rehearsals preparing for the show. Um, 
Then you have all of the extra performances. If you're in the trumpet or the brass section, you may have to do coronation. Um, then you have, uh, oh my God. Then you have the Thursday night practice with the, with the alumni band. Then you have the Friday morning and some of them are probably going to have to be for that Will Packer thing at 8 a.m. You have convocation at 10. Then you have the Rap the Strike band thing. Then you got band practice again right before the show. Then you have to wake up at 6 a.m. so you can be to the parade site at 7 a.m. Then you have to march all the way through the campus during the parade. Then you have to go to the band room. And, you know, greet every, all the alumni, get your little chicken box or whatever dinner they're going to give you for the lunch and everything. Then you got to meet all the alumni that's telling you whether you look good or you look like some job or you look a mess and, you know, or we just happy to have you. Then you got to walk over to the stadium with that big old heavy uniform in the heat of the day. Then, now, in, in, in previous seasons past, it wasn't a big deal because nobody really um, – brought their bands at homecoming. I think um, in the last few years, nobody's brought their band. Um, but this year, it's big, and they have to be ready because Grambling's band is going to be there. So I'm expecting uh, the 100 to have their A game prepared. Uh, they've been doing pretty good all year. But Grambling is one of the few bands that um, that has a tendency to get raunchy like the 100 gets raunchy. They like to dance. So this is one of the bands that has a that's gonna push the hundred in regards to their dance routine and their creativity. So I'm expecting an energetic hundred. Um the stands will have to be lit because what people don't know is that obviously um Grambling is used to going against uh other swag bands and they're also used to going against uh Southern University in the battle of the bands at the end of the year for the Bayou Classic. So they have an incredible um, music book that, uh, you know, the hundred better be ready for, because if not, they're going to get taken out in the stands. So uh, hopefully uh, the hundred has taken these extra weeks and this extra time to prepare both for the stands as well as the, um, the actual halftime performance. But they've been pretty much, they've been pretty consistent all year. But every once in a while, just like with the football team, you have to maintain that focus. You have to maintain that intensity because if not, people are already ready to talk about you and how bad you did. Or they're ready to talk how good you did. So we'll see. All right. We're, we're going to get a little into that a little bit more, what we can expect. Uh, because I, you know, I, I know I've got some questions regarding what we might see during halftime. But before we get going into that, let's uh, just want to remind everybody who's out there watching us today on Facebook and on YouTube or Twitter, make sure you're subscribed to the YouTube channel. First off, the Jericho Broadcast Network's YouTube channel. Give the show a, a thumbs up if you would. Just go ahead and get it out the way. We're going to give you a great show today, uh, worthy of the homecoming excellence that is uh, worthy of Rattlers. Uh, you know, what, what, do they, what do they call it? What's the theme? The epic return of the greatest homecoming in the universe, I like to say. We can let the Aggies have Earth. We'll take the universe, as I like to, to put it out there. So the epic return. The galaxy. Galaxy, yes, even better than the universe, the galaxy. Uh, make sure you're also following us on 
Twitter, Instagram, and on Facebook at ONG Strike Zone. And go ahead and download that Jericho Broadcast Networks app. My JBN, my BCSN is where you can find it in the Google uh, or Apple Play Store. And of course, it's uh, we got a lot to talk about. Coming up later in the show, we'll be speaking with uh, we, we, we've been doing this thing where we've been introducing you to various coaches and getting a chance to talk to our various coaches. This week, we have Coach Constance Orr with our uh, softball program. She'll be coming up at the bottom of the hour. Then in hour two, we we got a last-second announcement. Uh, we're going to be talking with an alum, uh, a, a FAMU football alumni, and Black College Football Hall of Famer. Coming up at the top of hour two, I won't give that won't give that name out just yet. Maybe a little, we'll save it for a little bit, and then we'll also be talking with a good friend of the program, uh, Mr. Curtis Ford. We'll get you know he he's working with the other side. He's he's had he's been forced to put on <laughs> some black and gold, even though underneath all that he's got he's probably wearing some orange and green. He's a he's a Rattler alum, but he's working at Grambling. So you know we always like to give some info about the other side when we go into these matchups. So we'll talk a little bit about that. But of course, we like to talk, start the show with, uh, with, with the news, with some good news. Obviously, we got a win. We went out into Itabina. We took the longest bus ride probably in the history of the program. Went out to Itabina, Mississippi. No, no, it was not the, where's longer? Howard, Delaware. Really? Yes, sir. Those were we didn't trips. always fly to Dover, Delaware, just for the record. We didn't Ooh, always wow. fly to Dover. Good gosh. Okay. So, so that one of the – I'll say one of the longest bus trips in the history of the program uh, <laughs> to Itabina, Mississippi, where the Rattlers took on Mississippi Valley State. And, uh, man, I tell you what, we came out of there with a win. So, that, on the bright side, we got a win. But man, we we can we can we can a lot of things we could pick apart, a lot of different angles that we can look at this ball game. Um, you know, we can we can go from individually. We can talk about the great performance of uh, Jamari Sherrod, uh, who had um, two hundred and twenty-four all-purpose yards, uh, four total touchdowns. You know, three catches for 88 yards and three touchdowns. And then he had 154 on punt returns, including a punt return for a touchdown. Also, Isaiah Land continues to add to his uh, impressive sack totals and tackles for loss. Uh, I think he had another couple of uh, sacks and uh, a few tackles for loss. Uh, Bishop Bonnet had a big day, 140 yards rushing, now leading the conference in rushing. So we can go any number of places. So I'll start with you, Kelvin. Your takeaways from Saturday's game in the Delta. I'm going to start off uh, complimenting the fact that, again, on the road against a grimy opponent, you know, Mississippi Valley State, uh, my, my understanding that the, the uh, stadium PA wasn't working and um, it's not much of a game day environment. And so, um, but they, they played tough. They tackle well. They limited offensively, and um, as we as North Carolina Central found out, and as Bethune found out, and um, as they showed when they played Alcorn State last week into the to the final bell, if you don't put them away, they 
they stay right there. They they they're never out, right? They they one of those teams. They dangerous. I, I I put them in that category, and we end up getting in a dog fight, which we shouldn't have been been in, but we we end up there, and we were able to again overcome adversity on the road and still get that W. All right, mm-hmm. we're averaging in conference play uh, over thirty points a game, and um. We're, we're doing some good things, all right? But my commentary today ain't going to be about those things. I just wanted to put them out there because, in a way, we, we probably splitting hairs. I know Rally Nation, there was a lot of reactions about that game. Uh, I would tell you it did feel like a loss in some ways, right, because uh, we had so many opportunities to put that game away. And so this, the, I label my commentary missed opportunities. Um, in that first half, uh, we had some throws, couple of touchdown potential plays that just, uh, you know, McKay didn't make. Um, we had some turnovers um, that, again, I, it, it was uncharacteristic of this team. But the last two weeks on the road, um, we've, we've had like four turnovers. So I, I don't know if that's a bad trend or not um with interceptions and, and fumbles and um of course penalties bite us again you know we kept some drives alive for them with uh pass interference calls and a personal foul call roughing the passer um, um in spite of that though we were up 10-0 we kept shooting us even with all those turnovers in the first half most of those turnovers in the first half right yep. Um, we go in at halftime, 10-0. We come back the second possession of the second half. We up 17-0. And um, we have the ball. And it's six minutes and two seconds left. And then one of those turnovers, uh, they, we had got a penalty right before then because we actually had got a first down um, to play before the interception. And I think we had a holding penalty or something like that. And so it was like third and eleven, and if I remember it correctly, and and we threw an interception. Uh, the guy took it back to the two yard line, and then we had like three penalties on on that uh, on on that play that gave him first, and they must have had eight tries um, uh, within the ten yard line that that possession, and they finally scored, and then we come right back the next possession. Uh, first play, drop back and um, and quarterback got hit. Ball came out. It was a, it was a uh, scoop and score, and now we yeah. seventeen fourteen with three minutes left. So in the span of three minutes, the whole complexion of the yeah. game changed. And up to that point, the defense had only gave up maybe three first downs. Mm-hmm. So, so we kind of allowed them to get back in the game. And I think what I saw and how I felt was when we're up 17 to zero with the caliber defense we have and the way they were playing at that time, um, I don't mind if the playbook get a little more conservative, right? I I can be okay with three runs, punt the ball, let defense do what they do. Uh, Cause we got, a, you know, great special teams. Now, you know, some of the plays are there and the reason I call my commentary missed opportunities because uh, 
Um, receivers dropped a couple of passes, one that definitely would have been a touchdown. Um, and it wasn't the same person. It was, like, it was like people took turns, right? I know Chad dropped one on the sideline. That could have been a first down. Um, you know, uh, we, we brought in um, Sap to run a play, and he fumbled. So, you know, everybody on the opposite side contributed. You know, we missed a block one time and got pressure in front of the quarterback. Then McKay made his mistake. So my my issue is we're averaging 30, over 30 points a game, but we're missing opportunities that are routine opportunities, right? They're, they're, they're wide open. And um, maybe I, I still say we just got to be a – Run first, set up the pass type offense, and and when we, especially on the road, when we got the lead, we probably just need to lean on that running game more. And um, I know we didn't have Xavier Smith this game, uh, and we didn't have McLeod, but uh, I, I looked at our averages and um, our running back still are averaging over five yards carrying, and Bishop is just in the fourth quarter just killing folks, right? So with that, that whole thunder line and hitting them with Jennings and, and then coming back with uh Bishop, it's it's working, man. It's it's working. Okay. And we and that's our formula. That's our magic right now. But for this team to get to that next level, you know, there was some talk about um playoffs and I, I really just want us to focus on this game because uh I'm kinda put us on upset alert now. Groundland is a team that yeah it has pretty good defense. They, they play in big games all the time, so the environment is not going to bother them. Um, coach Fobbs is a veteran coach. So he's he's they had a week off. Yep. They watched that game. They saw some of my weaknesses and opportunities, and I, I can almost think I can call the game plan for this game, right? Shut down a run and force McKay to beat you, right? And put pressure on, put pressure on them. They coming from different angles, so so and they already do that part pretty good. So, so they they can be a dangerous homecoming opponent, and I'm sure our coaches are aware of that. Not players, you know, it's senior day, you know, they're gonna be fired up. We we play much better at home. We have, so I you know, but uh, we have to to get to that next level. Where I think this, where, where all around the nation, I really believe, know we can be. When we have the opportunity for the big plays, we have to execute and we have to hit them. Cause you only get them four or five times a game if you're lucky, and and we've had them. We just not consistently hit those. So if we can add that to the offense, then instead of thirty points a game, we averaging forty points a game. Instead of three four three hundred yards total offense, we have four hundred yards offense. So that's what I'm hoping to see starting with uh, the game Saturday. Kofi, what are your thoughts? Well, uh, my brother hit on just about everything. I think it comes down to what we call focus. Um, the Rattlers had complete control of the game with Mississippi Valley State. And I think they just made some uncharacteristic errors that let them back in it. But that's what happens. And really, when you think about if you're thinking playoffs, um, turnovers in the playoffs get you killed. They get you beat. And really, regardless of who you play. So it's very important that we play within ourselves and maintain 
control of the flow of the game, maintain control of the ball, maintain control of what we understand is going to give us an advantage. And so, and so you know, just really going forward, um, you want to play mistake-free ball. I realize that mistakes do happen, but, you know, the drops were uncharacteristic. Chad rarely drops balls. Um, Sanders rarely drops balls. He had a wide-open touchdown. McKay oh, missed yeah. Oxendine with a, uh, with a deep throw. All of that was there. The score really should have been 24-zip, uh, 31-zip at halftime. But because of those missed opportunities and those turnovers that, that cost us um, – Real, really big control of the game where we would have been able to put Mississippi Valley away. That being said, I do expect the uh, our football team to totally hone in. This is going to be an intense and very physical football game, uh, especially up front. And we're going to see exactly in terms of where our coaching level is, in terms of our adjustments and different things that we're going to have to make because Fobbs understands uh, Coach Simmons' schemes for the most part and understands what they're going to try to do. I do think that we have better personnel up front, and as long as we play fundamentally sound football, um, we'll be in good shape. Uh, we need Rattler Nation, obviously, to show up in there, not only show up, but to also actively participate by using your voices, especially on defense. I think that uh, Bragg is one of the unique environments in um, FCS football and even uh, HBCU football. I think a lot of people come in and our people, uh, especially in big games, know what they need to do. I just hope that we're focused in on what we need to do and we can hug everybody after the game. But we need Bragg Nation to understand that uh, we've got a job to do. And that is to propel and give our team the necessary energy to take them over the top. You uh, you, you hit it right there on the nail on the head, fellas. The I went and now I'm let me say at let me say this last thing. Let me say this last thing, and then I'm be out. Um, McKay, people say what they want to about McKay, but McKay has shown that he has the demeanor and the cool in adverse situations. I've not seen him get flustered, uh, even going back to two years ago when he came in against A&T, he was not flustered. The moment was not too big for him. He did not panic. He made the throw that he needed to make. We got behind against Alabama A&M. He did not get flustered. He did not lose his mind. He made the throws that he needed to make. And against uh, Mississippi Valley, when the game was tight, when we needed him to make a play, that play to uh, Jamara Sharid, that was not an easy throw. There was not a whole lot of space, but he made that throw, got it in there, and made the plays that he needed to make. And so um, I want everybody to understand, you know, I want to see how we play in adversity. We had an upper, we had an opportunity um, to obviously win by two or three touchdowns, but at least we know that in times of adversity, this team can respond. All right, I don't. I don't like living in that in that uh, area code. You know, I, I that's that's my only concern. We're living in an area code where we're now having to sort of play from behind, and we've had to do it two weeks in a row. Uh, we, we lost the turnover battle four to one. You're not supposed to really win games when you when you when you get. I mean, four to one, not not two to one, four 
to one. You, I mean, Valley should be Valley was probably kicking themselves because they probably know that they should have won that game. And again, you know, it, we overpowered Alabama A and M in the fourth quarter. This game, I think we were fortunate to get out of Mississippi. To be honest, with a W, I, I, that's the only way I can put it. Four to one. I don't think you you don't win too many ball games when you commit four turnovers uh, to the to the team's one. And and you know, outside of just seeing the consistency from McKay, I still I've watched. Look, I've watched our defensive backs get beat on some deep plays several times this year. That continues to – it worried me from the first game of the season, and it worried me when I saw little 5'10 uh, quarterback from Mississippi Valley State. Name escapes me, but I'm watching him hurl 40-yard passes down the field, and we made a star out of that young man who was the receiver. Uh, I, I just had the stats up. Doesn't matter because – He's blowing by our D. Now, great. We didn't we, – we bent, but we didn't break. But I, I just say that that worries me. It is a worry. You know, Concern. I don't know we'll, we ain't worried. Concern. All right. Concerned, worried. I don't – again, I don't want to live in that area code. I don't want to live in that area code. I don't know if Grambling has the offensive uh, power to beat us in the air. Because uh, I think Grambling is, although, uh, you know, the young freshman quarterback, he can hurl it. You know, he can sling it. So that's what we have to deal with and contend. We have to make him uncomfortable. And I think that's what's going to be a big thing for this weekend. Um, game ball uh, game ball for me uh, will definitely go to uh, Jamari. Uh, you know, the human joystick. I mean, I mean, you can't you can't say it any better than what he did. Uh, you know, the, the all-purpose yards. He was the uh, BCSN National Player of the Week, Special Teams Player of the Week. He was the SWAC Player of the Week, FCS Player of the Week, Box to Row, every, you know, so he put up big-time numbers. Uh, who's your game ball go-to, Kelvin? Got to go with uh, Lynn, Isaiah. Uh, you, you know, he had a couple of, I think, two-and-a-half sacks, you know, uh, and some tackles for loss. And a lot of that came in the third and fourth quarters when the game was in doubt. Um, so, it, you know, as the going say, big time players made big time plays uh, when the game on the line. So, so he did that. So that would be um, my game ball. Yeah, he had six tackles, five solo, four and a half tackles for loss, one and a half sacks. He was the SWAC defensive player of the week. Uh, Kofi, your game ball, who's your game ball go to? I have to go with Jamari A. Cherie, um, just simply because he had been in every single game that we've had. He had been on the cusp of breaking it out. Um, and yeah. we get, he could have had at least four or five touchdowns on punt returns. Um, and this time we were able um, to get through with no mistakes and no flags and no penalties. Um, that's really key. It's good to see here. I was happy to hear Coach Simmons say um, that uh, they've been working on that in terms of the placement of their hands, the blocking schemes that we're doing really with it and just let Jamarie do what he does, which is use his quickness to break them. But I would be shocked if Fobbs kicks to Jamarie this week. Um, 
I'm fully expecting if they have to punt, they will not be punting to Jamaria because I think they understand that he is a legitimate threat to take it back to the house, and they don't want that homecoming crowd to just lose it on a on a punt return. So I'm I'm looking for Fobbs to use his his brain and basically do what uh, Buddy Pugh used to do and kick the ball out of bounds, and he never let uh, Leroy Van um, return the ball. But hey, maybe he's under a rattler spell and just really wants to believe that uh, his special teams can do it and they look for a big hit. So I'll pray that he doesn't see it and just kicks the ball to Jamari and finds out the hard way. So um, we, so we'll see. Are we putting him in that category with Leroy Van? I, I, you brought that name up. I mean, are we doing that? He's a junior. I think that he can. He's faster than Leroy. He's quicker than Leroy. You know, I think it's just a matter of um, – it comes down because football is a team game. It's not an individual game. Everybody needs to man their assignments. I think that that team that Leroy Van was on understood what they needed to do blocking-wise to create the lane so that Leroy could basically break through. Now, Leroy was talented with his – what was underestimated with Leroy was his vision, his ability to see the creases, to see the holes, and then hit the holes immediately. Um, Jamaria has natural quickness – and, and, and natural speed is just a matter of time. Of course, if they kick it to him, for them to be able, for him to be able to break one. So uh, I hope they kick it to him. I'll just put it like that. All right. I all agree. right. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. All right. Hey, we got to take a break. Coming up after the break, we're going to step away. We're going to talk with our head softball coach, uh, Constance Orr. And uh, we're going to find out what's going on with our Lady Rattlers. They just finished up their fall season. So we get a chance to find out uh, how that went and what's ahead in 2022. You're watching the ONG Strike Zone. Brian, Kelvin, and Kofi will be back right after these words. Sugar Chateau Desserts is a specialty bakery located in the Charlotte, North Carolina metro area. We will create delicious and one-of-a-kind treats for any occasion. Sugar Chateau is currently shipping cakes in a jar, offering a variety of different flavors in a single-serve container that can help you celebrate in accordance with social distancing. Place your orders today by calling 803-526-7895 or visiting SugarChateauDesserts.com. For 200 years, Montgomery, Alabama has been making history by people who had the courage to stand up for change. Today, this riverfront city has been reborn, embracing the past and looking forward to the future. From the National Memorial for Peace and Justice to the stage of the Alabama Shakespeare Festival, this is where history was and is made. We are proud to call Montgomery home, and together, we can be the change. Are you hungry for authentic Caribbean food? Like jerk chicken, oxtail, red snapper, shrimp, tofu, and rasta pasta? Well, find your way over to Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, 180 Auburn Avenue, right next to Royal Peacock in downtown Atlanta. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, open daily from 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. And on Friday and Saturday, we're open till 4 a.m. Come to Mango's and put some spice in your life. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, 180 Auburn Avenue, right next to Royal Peacock. In downtown Atlanta. For more info or directions, call 404-698-3992. Or log on to mangoscaribbeanrestaurant.com. For instant coupons, text M-A-N-G-O-S to 313131. Tell your mama hungry, 
Mango's Caribbean Restaurant. Authentic Caribbean cuisine. Hello and welcome back to the ONG Strike Zone. Brian Fulford, Kelvin Rozier, Kofi Hemingway. Thank you, everybody, for joining us out there. You guys continue to uh, leave us messages, uh, whether it's on YouTube or on Facebook. We see them. We'll definitely be addressing them. But uh, right now, joining us, as you can see, is the head coach of our softball program, Coach Constance Orr. Coach, thanks for joining us this evening. How are you doing? I'm well. Thank you all for having me. All right. Well, uh, Coach, look for for many for people who may not be familiar um, with with you and a little bit of your background. You've uh, this is go, you're going into your second season now uh, as the head coach uh, after taking over for uh, the legendary coach uh, Veronica Wiggins, and you, you know you were on the staff for five years prior to taking over. Um, you know, and, and I can't imagine what it was like taking over one for a legend two you're taking over in a pandemic kind of describe what all of that was like the past year for you yeah it's um it definitely wasn't an ideal situation but coach wiggins prepared me for anything and everything so um i just kind of moved right on in uh her last two or three years that she was here she prepared me to take over um so it was it was an easy transition but the COVID year definitely through, through a loop and things, um, we're still we're still recovering from it, but we're doing well. What have been some of the or what were some of the challenges that you had to deal with in that season? If you could kind of maybe take us kind of through as best as you can some of the some of the some of the uh, challenges that you had to deal with. I would say uh, probably the girls just being a little more paranoid about things. Um, they were they were worried for their safety, worried for their teammates' safety, worried for their family's safety. Um, things were still very up in the air. They didn't have many results or anything when we were playing, so things were still just like a, the smallest cough. It was like, oh, what's going on? So um, I think we've gotten through that now. That most of our team is vaccinated. Um, we're a little more sure about this coronavirus, COVID-19, we're, we're a little more understanding about what's going on with it. So I think our biggest challenge was just being at ease with what was going on around us. Kelvin. Mm-hmm. Coach, talk about this fall and your fall season. I saw I saw you had a couple of games over the weekend and so forth. To tell me who you played and what were you trying to accomplish with your program? And do you think, uh, you know, you were successful in that? Yeah, um, this past weekend we played Chipola twice. We had a doubleheader against them. Um, so this is my first fall season because last year we didn't have a fall season. Um, so it was it was interesting all around just uh, understanding how to structure your fall, what to do for your fall games, get you ready for season in the spring. Um, I think I was just trying to get everybody back comfortable. Last year kind of threw us for a loop. So just getting everybody back into compete, comp- competition mode, um, just – trusting themselves, understanding that they're prepared for this. Um, and that's pretty much it. I think we did a very good job this fall of 
showing up and competing and doing our job and doing what we're supposed to do. Um, we have a few injuries, so we didn't have our whole team over the fall. Um, but overall, I think we did well, and we're excited about the slack and get it going. Mm -hmm. Kofi. Speaking of Chipola, um, how is that transfer portal working? I know a lot of people talk about the transfer portal in football, but uh, is that also affecting you all in terms of with the softball? Um, and is there a lot of, is there additional interest in the program as far as recruiting is concerned? There is a lot of additional interest. Um, we Every day we're getting calls from a junior college transfer or just a transfer from another school that want to come play for us. Um, everybody wants to come play for FAMU. And this transfer portal has just made it easier and more accessible for kids to come to our program. Um, we took advantage of it over the past year. We have four transfers um, coming in, three from junior college, one from a Division One college, um, Stetson. She came from Stetson. So we use the transfer portal to our advantage this year. Awesome. Um, talking about that roster there. So as I was kind of browsing through the 2022 roster, it is a heavy upper class roster. You've got mostly like seven juniors, four seniors, a grad transfer, very few freshmen and sophomores. I mean, now it is everybody that as I'm combing through the website, is that everybody or you still have people coming in? Talk a little bit about the makeup of your roster. Yeah, that's everyone. We have 21 players on our roster. Um, we do. We are heavy in the junior class. Uh, we only have one sophomore, four, four. So, I'm sorry, one sophomore, four seniors, and um, five freshmen. So we are heavier in the junior class, but uh, that's that was due to the few transfers that we picked up through the transfer portal. Um, I think most of them were girls that could have come to us straight out of high school, but either they missed the opportunity or we missed them. So they're back home now where they're supposed to be and ready to play for a championship this year. Um, but yeah, our roster is loaded and I'm excited about it. We have a, a good staff over the past few years. We've been miss, missing a pitching staff. Um, so we have a really good five man rotation this year or sorry, okay. five woman rotation this year um, for our pitching staff, but I'm excited about everything. We have speed, we have power. Uh, we have girls that can hit for power, but also leg out a triple. So we have a little bit of everything this year. Okay. I, you know, it's funny you mentioned about the five, uh, five women pitching rotation, because it seems like with softball, and this is just me, you know, so if I'm off here, feel free to jump in here. Um, <laughs> it seems like with softball, once you get like an ace, like you get a one and two, you see that one and two all the time. Now, I don't know how true that is. So, I mean, it is is a, a, a five-player rotation something you're looking to do? Or, or what's sort of the strategy that you might go with as it relates to your pitching rotation? Yeah, usually in softball, you can have one or two that can ride you out the whole season. But I, I like having uh, multiple pitchers because it keeps the lineups off balance. So um, a lot of times if we get a, a team that's better offensively, I'll throw a pitcher one time through the lineup or bring in another pitcher next time through the lineup so they won't get comfortable with one pitcher and always having to make adjustments. So we've, um, we've done that in previous years, and we've had a lot of success from it. Um, I know when we won the MEAC a few times in a row, we had a staff those years, and that's how we won, uh, mostly with the MEAC. Mm -hmm. Calvin. Coach, talk about 
what you learned uh, with your first season. I know the pandemic and it was a lot of things that weren't ideal. You started, you stopped. But really, your first game, you know, you stopped, then you started. Um, but you know, just being in the big chair now, just tell me some of the some of the lessons learned and being a being a head coach, things you have to deal with the program. And then secondly, I want you to mention about your your field there. You know, you got a new field and the facilities and how 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 is that helping you? And lastly, talk a little bit about the SWAC uh softball teams and then and compare them with the MIAC if there's any similarities or so forth. Okay, yeah. Well, first the this past year it, it taught me how to overcome adversity. Um true adversity that you can have no control over. Um, but it also taught me how tough these young ladies are. Our student athletes, they are tough. They whatever is thrown at them, they handle, they get through it. Um, but it was just understanding and learning how to how to guide and how to lead a team through everything that's going on, through them having to get through classes, them trying to make sure their family's okay, their grandparents. I know COVID hit the older population a little harder. Um, so I know these young, they, these girls are, they're worried. They're worried about their families. They're away from their families. They're not there to see them every day. So that's on the forefront of their mind while they're still trying to pass classes and be a scholar athlete. Um, so just understanding and how to lead a team through all the different kind of adversity they were going through. Um, I think that was what I, my biggest takeaway from this past season. And we got through it. <laughs> we got through it. We're standing um, and we're ready to compete again. So that's a win for us. Um, second, the turf field is gorgeous. It is gorgeous. I love the field. Um, it plays very well. It, it gives, up, gives us an advantage because the SWAC championship in Gulfport, Mississippi, the, the facilities are turfed there as well. Um, so that gives us a huge advantage going into the conference championship because we're the only team in the SWAC with the turf field. So I really enjoy it. I love it. I think over the next five years, you'll see more teams going to the turf field. I know baseball is getting theirs this winter, um, but knowing how to play on it already, it gives us a huge advantage. And it also gives us an advantage when we have a lot of home games because people don't know how to play on our field. So that's that's awesome. We love to see it. We love to beat people on little things that we learned throughout the week that they don't know about um, playing on the turf field. So it's fun. It's fun, and I love it. Um, and then lastly, the SWAC softball teams, they are a lot more competitive than the MEAC. Um, the MEAC softball teams over the past few years have kind of, you know, dwindled down a little bit. So SWAC is a competition every weekend, and that's what I enjoy about it. Um, they have a lot of teams, so our schedule is full. We haven't had a full schedule in a few years. Um, so we have 24 conference games, and it's going to be different traveling to the, I guess, west um all these mississippi and alabama but we're gonna we're gonna figure out how to get it done leaving leaving the sunshine state um but i'm excited about the swag it'll give us a lot more competition it'll see us grow um we have nine new players on our team so with a mostly new team coming into a new conference that's gonna be awesome for us because Nobody knows what to expect from us. We don't know what to expect from them. And we're just going to go out there and play ball and may the best man win. Right. Kofi. Let's talk, um, you know, just in terms of with the, the change in leadership that we've had 
Um, you've seen that transition um, from the ADs and just different things. How is their leadership uh, enhance what we're already, what you're doing right now? And uh, what do you see going forward? Yeah, I um, I really enjoy this administration. I try and preach to our girls, Coach Wiggins, you know, Coach, I got it from Coach Wiggins about family. We're a family. We take care of each other. Um, no matter what, we take care of each other. And we continue to ride the family wave. Um, but I also our administration, they are big on that. They support the girls. They have an open door policy with the uh, student athletes. If they need anything, they can come to them. Um, you know, sometimes your coach just isn't enough. Sometimes you don't feel comfortable going to your coach. They are very open with um, letting the student athletes be a part of their lives and let and the administration be a part of student athletes' lives. They stop by practice. Um, our SWA travels with us. So they're very interactive with our student athletes and they make them feel comfortable, make them feel like this is their second home. Awesome. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, hey, uh, Coach, thank you for your time this evening. Uh, let everyone know, let Rattler Nation know what's the plans What between now and the start of the season or how can they support the program? How can they reach you? Uh, any and anything you want to plug, Coach, it's, it's uh, floor is yours. Well, thank you all for having me. Um, anybody needs to reach out to me, you can reach me via email, uh, constance.org at famu.edu. Um, once you get an email, my cell phone is on the email. If you want it, it's 704-458-6467. Uh, my assistant coach, her name is Camise Patterson. She's great with um, connections and she just loves the network. So uh, give us a shout. Let us know we're we're open to any ideas, talking, getting alumni involved, any kind of way. So we're excited to see what all y'all have ideas wise. Nice and coach. Whenever you do have that celebrity softball match, just add us three. We'll we'll be there. We'll we'll. I don't know. You know, don't send your, don't send the best pitcher against us. Don't send the best one now. Maybe like the the the, the fifth, whoever the fifth starter is. That's who, that's, that's who we yeah, okay thank you thank you that's all we ask hey uh coach enjoy homecoming this week and uh thank you and, and good luck uh we look forward to talking to you as the season gets ready to start a little bit later okay all right thank y'all so much y'all stay safe all right thank all right, you, thank you, you too. coach we'll be back we'll be back after these words you're watching the ong strike zone supermarket sushi really no. Wait, Troy, you work here? I'm never not working. Like head and shoulder scalp shield technology, up to 100% dandruff protection, even between washes. Never not working, huh? Oh, Troy, you're such a good teacher. Yeah, I know. <laughs> never not working. Never not working. Never ever not working. Are you serious? Never not working. Dandruff protection that's never not working. Head and shoulder scalp shield technology. Shop Velvet Online Women's Boutique to spice up your closet with trendy, unique looks. We have fashionable and chic looks at very affordable prices. Velvet Boutique offers free shipping all year long on all orders. Shop online at www.melvetboutique.com. That's www.melvetboutique.com. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. Shop Melvin Online Women's Boutique. Charmin Ultra Soft has so much cushiony softness, it's hard for your family to remember. They can use less. Sweet pillars of softness. This is soft. Holy Charmin. Up 
Excuse me. Roll it back, everybody. Sorry. Charmin Ultra Soft is so cushiony soft, you'll want more. But it's so absorbent, you can use less. So it's always worth it. Now, what did we learn about using less? You gotta roll it back, everybody. <laughs> we all go. Why not enjoy the go with Charmin? The Cuvée Group is a Florida-based marketing and training consulting firm. We help businesses communicate to their target audience and engage them in conversation. We also help to expand their audiences, which will ultimately result in growth for those organizations. In addition to being a certified constant contact specialist, my colleagues and I are also certified in John Maxwell Leadership Principles. We use these proven principles to conduct workshops, training, and private coaching sessions for individuals and companies looking to take things to the next level. Contact us to schedule a free consultation. Issues today, don't delay. Call Cuvay. Okay, welcome back to the OG Strike Zone. Brian Fulford here with Kelvin Rozier and Kofi Hemingway. And uh, got to give a shout out again. Thanks to uh, Coach Constance Orr for uh, joining us. Uh, really enjoyed the conversation and uh, looking forward to the softball uh, season, you know, definitely. Um, coming up at the top of the second hour, we've got a FAMU football alum. Black College Football Hall of Famer scheduled to join us. I'm worried. Do I give the, Do I give the name now? I don't want to jinx it. I'm, I'm hoping because it was the last is, minute. Who it is? I don't want to jinx it. I don't want to jinx it. If I say it, all right, so I'm going to hold it. I'm going to keep it in my pocket until it actually happens. Go but, ahead, tease uh, <laughs> Go ahead, tease him. Go ahead, tease him. All right. I, I'm, I'm just going to say I, – well, I tease it as a Hall of Famer. Uh a National Football League player as well. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm gonna leave Earl with that. Holmes coming on? <laughs> no, no. I, I'll tell you that. No, no. Earl Holmes is not coming on. No, he played before Earl Holmes, though. Uh, look, hey, we got to talk about the big event that happened this week to kick off Homecoming Week. Our Lady Rattler volleyball program. Ended the streak over 18 games done. That was Jackson State's regular season winning streak coming into Lawson Center on Monday. I still don't know how we lost to them 3-0, but whatever. We were past that. Uh, they came in the, after we got the win against Mississippi Valley State. We knew that was going to happen. We knew they were going to go out to Bethune and get a win. We knew all that happened. It all went down on Monday night in Lawson Center. Uh, I am disappointed. I did not get a chance to see it online, so I don't know what that was all about. But anyway, thank God for Twitter and the internet because uh, that kept us going, at least. Uh, but the the Lady Rattlers with another sweep. That is 3-0. That is the eighth sweep this season in the swag. They Our record, 8-2 in the conference, 16-6 overall. Again, Eight wins in conference, fellas, right? All sweeps. I don't know. 
I'm, look, that feels like some stuff we did back in the day. But, I mean, just think in college volleyball, the fact that all your wins are sweeps. I mean, it's like we're not even surrendering a set to the other squad. I mean, that's just dominance by our ladies right now. And so they had a, they had payback on their mind. And they had just ending that streak. First, first loss by Jackson State uh, in probably over uh, at least a couple of years or at least a year. Uh, Dominique Washington, friend of the show, 21 kills in that game. Irene Carr had 42 assists. Both of them were game highs. And uh, the ladies moved within a game of first place uh, to Jackson State. And, uh, you know, it sets us up in a good spot. You know, we just got one more team to pay back for a loss. And we played them at the end of the season. Uh, guys, what's uh, what's your takeaway from uh, from the volleyball win? No, it's, it's no uh, surprise to me. I know that coach uh, is a good coach. I know we have talent. Uh, that talent has come together. And um, I, I remind you that that initial loss was the first game of the season in terms of conference play. And it was a road game. And, uh, and you know, you know, you got home cooking. And then the other thing, remember what Coach said. Coach said that they were working on specific things based upon opponents and so forth. So, uh, of course, they want to win and so forth. But uh, I think they really, you know, were trying to get their, their, their lineups and, 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 and matchups and how they want to style of play, how the officiating was going to go forward and so forth. And so now we're, we're uh, uh, 16, 17 games into the season. And um, we we have a lot of that worked out, and we're gearing up. Remember, you say you want to ramp up going into the to the uh, postseason. The reason we played such a competitive uh, uh, non-conference was because we wanted – because we were thinking beyond the sweat. Conference championship, if we were to win and, and uh, get our at-large, and the NCAAs. So I, I now I think, you know, that's where our focus is and and and, and how our prep is going. And 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 I'll be shocked, to be honest, if, if we lose another game in conference. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kofi, what's your takeaway? Man, they, they came in and they balled out. It's good to see that they know how to rebound. It's good to see that our coach was able to make the necessary adjustments for us to be able to uh, sweep that team at home. So I think that that's really a good thing. That's a good sign. You never want to be playing. Of course, you want to always want to play well, but you want to be playing your best ball uh, or seeing a team peak. And it seems as though we are headed in that direction. Um, it's good to see the rivalries um, begin to pick up because I think that that's going to be uh, a major rivalry going forward with FAMU and uh, Jackson State as well as Florida and m and Alabama State. I think it's going to be big. Um, you know, because uh, when you lose, you begin to develop a hatred for the other team. And it's not a real rivalry until you begin to develop a strong dislike for the other team's mascot, that fan base, and just everything else. And I think that by now, I think Rattler Nation has had enough of those Tigers from Jackson, Mississippi. And I think we're ready to beat them in everything that we can possibly do. I think they are like they they're getting up there with Southern now. They about like public enemy number one. They talk a lot of noise. They 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 not afraid. They love their team. 
they are rabid, they are ready. So uh, we are looking forward to future games uh, against the Tigers. But let me say this, um, from a marketing standpoint, I would like to see our sports information or maybe them uh, reach out to uh, other uh, resources that we may have so that we can begin to promote our Olympic sports a little bit better so that our fan base will know when we have games that are going to be taking place either in the Gaither Gymnasium or the Lawson Center so that the girls can feel that home field advantage, that home court advantage, so that we can uh, welcome them with an orange and green spirit as they come in uh, to our territory and let them know what Rattler territory is all about. So... I think we can do a better job. I don't think a lot of people knew that Jackson State was coming in um, to play because I, I know for a fact we would have had way more fans there had they known. So I just want to see us do a little bit better in that regard. Did 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 folks even know that they had that winning streak? I mean, you know what I'm saying? That now, uh, now that I do know because it, it's been publicized. It's been in the newspaper. I think if anybody's been following uh, SWAC Sports at all, we knew about the 18 game winning streak which is why i was like if we knew that they were coming into our building like that i think that we would have had right. a larger crowd right and i you know i i just wonder you know not saying that we can't pack uh lawson center but there's some the, the intimate settings of gaither i mean you know i don't know uh all the details on why we've seen fewer games in gaither but i you you all we we remember what Gaither sounds like when it's when it's cranking up when it's cranking and I and this is this is a team as good as they are I, I think you can easily get two to three thousand Rattlers in Gaither and just imagine how uh, loud and electric that place will be uh you know for those games you know so I like I said I, I don't have all the details um other than you know utilizing the larger venue but um you know, hopefully the crowds will continue to show up. There is another home game a little bit later, and that's against Bethune. So, and I think that might be the last home game of the regular season as it stands right now. Now, what's next for the ladies? They're traveling out to Grambling this weekend for one of those. Uh, they got three games, and so it's like a four-team round robin. Might even be five. I, I would imagine probably even Bethune might be traveling. So. Uh, we play Grambling State and Texas Southern on Friday, UAPB on Saturday, and then the ladies come back. So that's October 30th through the 31st against those three squads. Uh, I, I don't, in terms of looking at the standings, I don't think either of those squads will really be much trouble for us. But, you know, hey, you're going on the road. You never say never. And that first one's against Grambling, and it's being played at their place. One of the things I was just going to bring to you guys. Time Love is in second place, by the way. Oh, okay. Thank you. for. I, see, I thought Alabama State was in second place, but it's Pine no, Bluff. No, they're tied with us. Okay, so Pine Bluff is the game that definitely will be keeping our eyes on. That'll be that. That's the solo game on the 31st, which I believe is, is, is uh, Sunday. Is that the 31st? Is it Halloween? Yeah, that's Sunday. Yes. So it's a, it's a Saturday, Sunday. So two games on Saturday the 30th, one on Sunday the 31st. Uh, hopefully we can find those games on Grambling's Facebook feed. And, and if we 
if we get a chance to 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 see or get those links, we'll make sure to tweet that out. I will draw your one one final thing regarding the volleyball season, guys. I start looking at players of the year, blocker of the year, libero of the year, setter of the year, newcomer and freshman of the year. Those are the postseason awards that the SWAT gives out. And I, I got a feeling, guys, between Dominique, Iram, and Jessica Lang, who's our libero, I got a, I got a feeling like we could probably take four of those between player of the year, libero of the year, setter, and newcomer of the year. We could probably take four of those awards, uh, you know, so I just thought I'd mention that just as a as just something to kind of keep an eye on down the stretch there's still about six more games left in the season so uh it'll be an interesting race to see what happens there uh kelvin any you got uh you got you got the uh, outcome from the golf our golf team had a had a had a big win this past weekend you want to go you want to mention that before we go to break yeah, I think they were in Mobile Gulf. Um, I think it's what called the Gulf Coast Classic or something. And um, there were a total of, uh, I believe, four or five teams. Um, and uh, we won by a sizable margin. And um, and looking at looking at the scores, we were one, two, three, and I, I think all our golfers were pretty much in the top twelve. So. So it it was a strong showing uh, for that size field, and um, I know they have another one coming up in about a week or so. so uh, that's a little bit larger, but uh, you know, having a win, playing well, you want to again, you want to build up toward the end of the season, um, playing your best. So um, that was a good result. I know Coach Coach Rice is, is happy with that. Yeah, definitely. You know, he came on a couple weeks ago and talked to us about that. So that was big time. All right. Hey, let's uh, let's take a break. Coming up at the top of the uh, – well, here we are in the second hour. We come back after this break. We're going to talk with a, uh alumnus uh, not only of uh, Florida A&M but of the NFL and a recent uh, inductee into the Black College Football Hall of Famer. We'll be talking with uh, the punter, Mr. Greg Coleman, coming up hopefully right after this break. You're watching the ONG Strike Zone. We'll be back in just a moment. HBCU League Pass. Watch your favorite black colleges. Some of the best players in the land. HBCU League Pass. It's game time. It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition, and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids' apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. 
Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCUPrideJoy on Facebook and Twitter. picks up messes quicker and each sheet is two times more absorbent so you can use less he's an eight he's a nine bounty the quicker picker upper since 2002 empowerment resources inc a nonprofit organization has empowered more than 1500 youth and adults in duval and surrounding counties through its programs journey into womanhood girls mentoring life skills for teens and parenting education coaching. To get involved with programs, volunteer, or donate, visit www.empowermentresourcesinc.org. Follow us on social media, facebook.com forward slash empowerment.resources and instagram.com forward slash empowermentjax. All right, welcome back to the ONG Strike Zone. Brian Fulford, Kelvin Rozier, Kofi Hemingway, happy homecoming week, Rattlers. And we just had to get on an alum on the program, you know, not only a, a FAMU football alum, uh, but a Hall of Famer as well, uh, Mr. Greg Coleman, class of 2021 Black College Football Hall of Famer, uh, I keep calling you Mr. Coleman, so I, I, I'm just like that. So Man, Greg is good. Greg, Greg is fine. Mr. <laughs> all right. Mr. Coleman was my dad, okay? Okay, all right, Greg. We appreciate you. Yeah, uh, we I've been reaching out, and we finally were able to get this. Uh, you're a very busy man, so man, we, we appreciate you taking time to join us. Uh, let's start by talking about just uh, that uh, your, your uh, induction into the Black College Football Hall of Fame Talk a little bit about that and what that meant to you uh, amongst all the, the great things that you've done in your career. Well, I can't talk about uh, the Hall of Fame unless I talk about FAMU. In my experience, uh, the nurturing that I got, the coaching that I got, the mentoring and tutoring and all of those things that I got. But once I got that phone call from Doug Williams and, and James Shaq Harris, uh, the co-founders of the Black College Football Hall of Fame. Uh, it was very similar to what you have seen in the NFL when David Baker, who is the president of the uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame, and he goes and knocks on the door of those men and tell them that they uh, have been elected to an elite fraternity of men that very few people who walk the face of the earth have the opportunity to be a part of. And those range of emotions that I felt uh, immediately forced me to think back of my growing up here uh, in Jacksonville, Florida, all of my little league coaches and high school coaches and teachers and tutors and mentors uh, in, in high school. Everybody who had a hand, a foot, a belt, a word of encouragement in my journey, uh, it, it forces you to think back, even Miss Mary, uh, who was at? Who was a cafeteria lady at FAM? 
when the coaches kept us a little bit longer and we missed uh, the dining hall that closed at six o'clock, she would leave the door open, crack for us to come in to make sure that we got a nutritious meal before uh, before we, we, you know, retired for the evening. Those little things like that, Sandy Gregg, um, who was an administrator uh, at FAM, uh, Bobby, Coach Bobby Lang, uh, my head track coach, and, and the man who came to Jacksonville to recruit me after uh, many of the larger colleges said, well, uh, Greg, we're just getting our alumni base ready to accept the fact that we're going to have a black quarterback. I damn sure can't have a, ba- a black kicker at this time. So Bobby Lane came to, to my house in Jacksonville and, and sat at my table and told my mom, she said, he said, Miss Coleman, we don't have a whole lot of money to give your son. We don't have a, a scholarship to give his girlfriend. We don't have no money to put a, an addition on the back of your house or money to give him a car. But if he comes to FAMU, he can punt, he can kick, he can run track, and if he goes to class, he'll graduate. And my mom says, where do we sign? And the rest is history. So to be named in this class of 2021 uh, on Father's Day weekend, on the weekend of Juneteenth, meant so much to me. Um, you know, as I think about it now, uh, you know, that range of emotion, it comes back because, again, someone decided and thought well of you enough that you would be inducted into the college, the Black College Football Hall of Fame. Uh, it means more than anybody can ever imagine. Wow. That, that's awesome. That's awesome. Kelvin. Yeah. So, first of all, I want to say, I think you should be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame also. And um, we'll lobby to do that, right? Because <laughs> um, you were great uh, and and you were one of the first um, punters of color also. Uh, and your stats say that you, you, you're in it. So I'm hopeful uh, some at some point that'll happen. But what I want to talk about is uh, – kind of talk about your senior year at FAMU and then that whole process of how you 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 started your pro career, whether, you know, you, you got drafted, how you got to the Vikings and, and just that whole, that whole um, scenario. Before I, before I talk about that, I've got to talk about Rudy Hubbard because Rudy Hubbard changed my trajectory. Because before Rudy came, uh, I thought I was pretty good. But I remember we lost the game my junior year down at the racetrack against Bethune Cooper. Uh, I think by two or three points. And Rudy chose not to go for a field goal several times when we were down in the red zone. And I was 38 hot when we got back to Tallahassee. And I'm going to go in and we're going to have a come to Jesus meeting with Rudy Hubbard. Because Rudy was only 28 years old. So, I mean, a, 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 lot, a lot of guys said, well, hell, hell, he's my peer. Hell, we had a couple of guys on the team that were older than Rudy. But I was going to go and have this conversation. But before I started, Rudy, Rudy stopped me in my tracks. And he said, Greg Coleman, he said, you're a pretty good athlete. He said, you're a pretty good kicker. You're a damn good punter. He said, but you think that you're better than you are. He said, in some days you are, in some days you're not. 
He said, and I don't know which one of those days that I can depend on. He said, and the reason I chose not to go for those field goals against Bethune-Cookman on Saturday, he said, because I can't depend on you. You're not the consistent kicker that I need you to be. That I, I know that you can hit the 56-yard field goal, but can you hit the 26-yard field goal when we need it? Man, and that, hit, that stopped me in my tracks like a ton of bricks. And from that moment on, I understood what it meant to be dependable, to be consistent. So now fast forward to my senior year, uh, which I had a pretty good year, uh, both as a punter and a place kicker. I uh, was fortunate enough to be drafted by the Cincinnati Bengals in the 14th round. But I didn't make it. I made the mistake of running a 4-4-40 just coming out of, uh, uh, you know, track season. And Paul Brown said, well, you got too much speed to just be a punter. Uh, we're going to try you at wide receiver. I said, man, I never played wide receiver. Well, just, just go over there with Isaac Curtis and, and, and Chip Myers and, and all those guys, and they'll tell you what to do. And it would run the hell out of me during the course of practice. But then at the end of practice, I had to come back, and I had to compete against the other punters and kickers that they had in camp. I wasn't allowed to place kick against Chris Barr from Penn State, who they had drafted in the second round, because I thought it was a better place kicker than I was punter. To make a long story short, things didn't work out. I got cut, but because I had graduated from Florida and m University, I went back to Jacksonville and taught high school history. And, 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 and I can't say anything about Cincinnati without mentioning my dear, late, great, great friend, the Rattler, Ken Riley. Because Ken Riley was a substitute teacher at my high school, my junior and senior year. So we would wow. question and, and, and pull on Ken. Ken, what is it like to be a pro? How do you make it to the show? What are the things that you're going to have to do? So, man, we would have guys at our high school, Harold Carmichael, Kenny Burroughs, uh, Ken Riley, Lamar Paris, uh, Ken Anderson used to come down, Harold Hart. I mean, it was like a Booby Clark. It was like a it was like a professional training camp uh, at Reigns High School. So we we knew what it took to be a pro. And I knew that I hadn't given it my best shot with Cincinnati. But Jake Gaither knew a special teams coach from the Cleveland Browns by the name of Al Tabor, another HBCU school. And Jake made a call and said, baby, I need you to give my kid a chance. And all I needed was a chance and the rest was history. But let me back up. I cannot leave this show without saying what Pop Kittles meant to me. Pop was my kicking mm -hmm. coach. Pop was also the wide receiver coach and the baseball coach. You all know that. But I remember one day we were at practice, and I'm just hitting them down the field, straight down the field, you know, 50, 60 yarders, and Pop stopped me. He said, well, he said, well, baby, why are you kicking it right to him? I said, well, Pop, that's where he's standing. <laughs> he said, well, hell, baby, make him earn his supper. Make him work for it. Kick it to the right. Kick it to the left. He's saying if you do it on a consistent basis, he said, baby, they'll find a place for you at the next level. And I said, Pop, what do you mean? He said, baby, if you kick it to the corners, if you kick it to the right and you kick it to the left, he said, baby, they'll find a place for you. I guarantee it. And I was stupid enough to believe Pop Kittles. And that was my forte going into the National Football League. Howard Cosell deemed me Coffin Corner Coleman 
because I had the ability to kick it to the right and kick it to the left. And I learned that, that trait. That was my forte from Florida A&M University. Uh, I had a pretty decent season my rookie year at, at Cleveland. Uh, Forrest Gregg, a Native American, gave an African-American a shot to be the first African-American punter in the National Football League. Forrest got fired. A lot of the staff was let go. I was let go at the end of that season after leading the Cleveland Browns and the entire National Football League with a 49-yard average during that preseason. After uh, I got I let go, I got bounced around, tried with three or four of the different other teams. And we were still living in, in Cleveland. My wife, we were expecting our first child. And I remember watching a game on, on the uh, – uh, on TV with the law against the Los Angeles Rams and the Minnesota Vikings. And neither punter was doing well. And I remember going to my ninth floor apartment window and I opened the window and I was screaming at God. I said, you lied to me. You said that you would give me the desires of my heart. If I prayed, if I did the things that the word told me to do, I said, where are you? I said, I want to play football. And I said, I'll play. I want to play football so bad that I'll even play for the Minnesota Vikings. And I closed my window. The next day, I got a call for the Minnesota Vikings, and I spent the next wow. 10 years punting for the men in purple. Mm. Wow. 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 That's, uh, wow. <laughs> exactly right. Uh, Kofi. That's amazing, uh, man of God, just because I understand that the color purple is the color royalty. Absolutely. And, uh, and it's it's amazing that um, you're sharing that testimony because I believe many people need to understand that God does hear us when we call. Um, you know, uh, he may not come when you want him, but he does come on time. And so it's necessary for, um, you know, the young people, for some of the older people to understand that uh, there is a process to greatness. Um, there's a process to becoming who he has created us to be. And so um, what are some of those things that you learned? I know you talked about it a little bit. I want to say, what are those, some of those things that you learned through the furnace of affliction? And what would you say would be um, your favorite games or your favorite teams to compete against uh, as a Rattler? Before I, before I answer that question, Kofi, let me, let me go back because you hit on something. And I have to tell you that God has a funny sense of humor. And if you want to hear him laugh, just tell him what you're not going to do. Because as a little shorty back in Jacksonville, I swore, me and my boys uh, growing up out in Mixontown and then uh, out at Scott Park on the north side of town, we said that we would, I, we would never, ever, ever play for the Minnesota Vikings. And I'll be, 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 uh, try to be very brief with this story. Number one, whenever you saw him, it was under the frozen tundra of Metropolitan Stadium in Bloomington, Minnesota. That's number one. Number two, they had a coach that wore a crew cut, pierced blue eyes, that stood on the sideline with his arms folded, that didn't say a darn word to nobody, and that was Bud Grant. But the third and the most important reason why we said that we would never, ever, ever play for the Minnesota Vikings is they wore black shoes. And back in the day, we know that all of the cool players Wore white shoes, Billy White Shoes Johnson, Elmore Wright, Joe Willie Namus. So I was not going to Minnesota to freeze my behind off to play for a coach that didn't say a thing to anybody and to wear black shoes. No, man, I wasn't doing that. So you tell God what you ain't going to do, and he'll see just how long it takes you 
to humble yourself. Ooh. And that's what I had to do. When I went to that ninth floor apartment window, all of those things that I said that I would, didn't want to do came back. And I had to humble myself and say, Lord, I'll even play for the Minnesota Vikings. And that was a door that he had opened for me, but a door that was closed. But all I had to do was open a window. And that's God's favor has been on my life for many, many, many years. And I learned at a young age that favor ain't fair. Mm. And I don't have to apologize for it. God has opened doors for me, has opened windows for me that no man can close. So you talk about, you wanted me to go back and, and think about some of the favorite games that I had at FAMU, man. I, 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 one would be uh, the Bethune-Cookman game my senior year where we played them over at Doe Campbell. I mean, I thumped them for maybe 48, 49 yards a punt. I think we had about three or four field goals. Another was a great game against Alabama A&M, I believe, that uh, we kicked four field goals, four or five field goals to win. The last one uh, with a few seconds left in the game. My holder, Cal Burgess, uh, was also my roommate, uh, star wide receiver for FAM. And, uh, man, I had so many great memories uh, at FAM, uh, playing football, running track, uh, being a student athlete. Uh, that was one thing that I, I treasured because uh, making the AB honor roll a couple of times as a student athlete, uh, pledging Alpha Phi Alpha. You know, God said, I am Alpha. I know he had all them other Greek letters and all of that stuff, but that's what he said. <laughs> that's that's the book that I read. But uh, <laughs> there were so many great memories, man, that I have uh, that I can't. It, it'll take us all night um, to go through the memories that I have uh, about FAMU. Well, real quick, um, man, I got just real quick. I just found it interesting. You know, your good man steps are ordered by the Lord. And you started as a Reigns Viking and ended up as a Minnesota Viking. So I just look at that as just another sign that he's been with you the whole time. All right. Uh, Greg, I, I, I look, Hey, I want to, I want to, uh, kind of, uh, close this out here with, uh, it is homecoming week. Um, you know, and it's funny. I heard coach Simmons say on his uh, weekly show that, uh, reminding, uh, he had to remind his players that, Hey guys, you know, homecoming is for the alumni. It's not for you. Uh, you know, you, you have a job. So with that said, what homecoming memories do you have? Maybe a, a game or a memorable experience uh, that you can close us out with from your years uh, on those homecoming games? Well, I can remember it, it wasn't about a performance. It, it wasn't about a score. Uh, but in college, I had a dog, a uh, dog by the name of Roger. And Roger went to class. Uh, Roger was a social studies major and on game days and track meets, I would leave Roger in, in the dorm, but somebody saw Roger, uh, in the dorm, uh, one homecoming game and say, Roger, you shouldn't be in the dorm. You should be out celebrating with, you know, with everybody else. So they let Roger out of the dorm and he knew where the stadium was. He knew where the track was and I'm out on the field getting ready to kick. And here come, here comes Roger running out on the field. We have to call a timeout, and Coach Hubbard blew his – he said, Dingley. Um, well, I had another nickname in, in, in college. <laughs> well, <laughs> my, nick, my nickname at FAM was Dingling. 
and and I'll tell you how I got that name very kick uh, very quickly. Uh, Henry Lawrence, uh, you know my my dear dear friend, my frat brother. I was in the shower singing a Chuck Berry song, uh, "My Dingaling," and it was at the top of the charts during that time. And he said, "Dingaling, you go sing that on the freshman talent show." Big Jim Williams was the uh, coach uh, during my freshman year, and I sang "My Dingaling" at the freshman uh, talent show, and I mean, I killed it. Ever since then. That's how I got the name Dingling. Not not to be confused with what all of the other stories and fairy tales that have been flying around FAMU for many, many years. So now you got it from the horse's mouth. That's how I got that nickname. Sing the song, I also though. wore Sing a long song, stocking cap. Okay? Sing the song though. Oh, you don't wanna you don't wanna hear me sing that my dingling, my dingling. I hope you. No, I ain't gonna say that. This is a family do show. Don't do <laughs> but if you know, it, it was it was a joyous time, man, and we had some great freshman brothers, uh, and we still stay in contact with with a lot of those men. Unfortunately, uh, I won't be able to stay to homecoming, but uh, because uh, we've got a game Sunday night, I'm part of the Vikings radio broadcast team, and uh, we're playing the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday night. But I am gonna come in on Friday. Uh, to support Coach Hubbard in, in his event on Friday night. But uh, unfortunately, I have to fly out on, on Saturday afternoon uh, to get back to Minneapolis. Now, you talked about homecoming and in, in, in what it means. Yes, it's for the alumni, but there is no more important game uh, for a student athlete at FAMU than to win your homecoming game, uh, especially against a great historical, another great historical black uh, college football team is the Grambling Tigers. And uh, I wish Coach Simmons uh, nothing but the best. Uh, I have not met him personally. I feel like I do know him. Uh, he's a very personable man. Uh, I, I support the program and will continue to support the program. And one thing that I'll, I'll, I'll share in before I, before I do this, there is no reason that there should not be more black punters and kickers in the National Football League. My wife and I Amen. have made a commitment to start the Greg Coleman Golden Touch Award, where we're going to uh, provide a grant for a HBCU punter and kicker, black punter and kicker, to go to some of these kicking camps to hone their crafts, to hone their skills, where they can be scouted by NFL scouts, that they can be tutored and mentored so, you know, they can have a leg up on life and an opportunity to play in the National Football League. Uh, that's what we're going to do. So uh, I'm wishing the Rattlers all the best uh, because when, when preparation meets opportunity, it's going to equal success. And I'm hoping success for the Rattlers and everybody in Rattler Nation, guys, and I really thank you and and appreciate you for allowing me to spend a few moments with you. All right. Uh, we, Dexter we Martin says you. hello. Oh, big Dex. <laughs> Dex and Edwin have just said hello, so I just want to look. All right. Know. Absolutely. Yeah, appreciate think, it, Cole. We had a couple people ask if the knit cap was still around, if you had the knit cap. Is that still around? Yes, it's, uh, it's actually at my mom's. No, no, it's at my mom's. And okay. uh, it's still it's still hanging on the wall. Yes, I do. All right, there you go, uh, Greg. Let people know how they can reach out to you if they're not already following you. Uh, let let the people know. Well, you know, social media. You know, Facebook, uh, Greg Coleman Eight, uh, Twitter, uh, everything is Greg Coleman Eight. My uh, uh, Greg dot Col uh, Greg Coleman uh, Eight dot com uh, is my website. 
Um, yeah, man, just reach out. Uh, would would yeah. would love to connect with everybody from Rattler Nation. Well, I, I, Greg, I, I can't I can't express how how awesome it was one to be able to reach out to you and that you replied and that we exchanged uh, communication back and forth and uh, it, it worked out, man. What a blessing on Homecoming Week. You just you just texted me up out of the blue and said, you know, hey Brian, let, let's make it happen. I'm like, all right, let's do it. So uh, there you go. It, 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 awesome. Thank you very much. Oh, you're, you're, you're quite welcome. Listen, man, I always say that we all we got. And if we can't help each other, then what good are we? Amen. Amen. Absolutely. Safe travels to Tallahassee. Enjoy being back uh, on the highest of heaven, uh, seven hills. And uh, I said heaven hills. Feels like heaven when you get back there. But That's uh, right. enjoy it. Thank you. Thank you, Greg. We're going to take a break. We'll be back in just a moment. You're watching the ONG Strike Zone. Sugar Chateau Desserts is a specialty bakery located in the Charlotte, North Carolina metro area. We will create delicious and one-of-a-kind treats for any occasion. Sugar Chateau is currently shipping cakes in a jar, offering a variety of different flavors in a single-serve container that can help you celebrate in accordance with social distancing. Place your orders today by calling 803-526-7895 or visiting SugarChateauDesserts.com. For 200 years, Montgomery, Alabama has been making history by people who had the courage to stand up for change. Today, this riverfront city has been reborn, embracing the past and looking forward to the future. From the National Memorial for Peace and Justice to the stage of the Alabama Shakespeare Festival, this is where history was and is made. We are proud to call Montgomery home, and together, we can be the change. Are you hungry for authentic Caribbean food? Like jerk chicken, oxtail, red snapper, shrimp, tofu, and rasta pasta? Well, find your way over to Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, 180 Auburn Avenue, right next to Royal Pika in downtown Atlanta. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, open daily from 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. And on Friday and Saturday, we're open till 4 a.m. Come to Mango's and put some spice in your life. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, 180 Auburn Avenue, right next to Royal Peacock. In downtown Atlanta. For more info or directions, call 404-698-3992. Or log on to mangoscaribbeanrestaurant.com. For instant coupons, text M-A-N-G-O-S to 313131. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant. Authentic Caribbean cuisine. Supermarket sushi, really? No. Wait, Troy, you work here? I'm never not working. Like head and shoulder scalp shield technology, up to 100% dandruff protection, even between washes. Never not working, huh? Oh, Troy, you're such a good teacher. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Never not working. Never not working. Never, ever not working. Are you serious? Never not working. Dandruff protection that's never not working. Head and shoulder scalp shield technology. Welcome back to the ONG Strike Zone. Brian Fulford, Kelvin Rozier, Kofi Hemingway, man. 
we we come with something new every week, folks. We hope you appreciate what's coming out uh, from the ONG Strike Zone, man. Um, you guys got to, you know, when it when it gets time to share this uh, podcast or this show, you, you got to let people know. Uh, go ahead and, you know, make sure you're signed up. Make sure you are subscribed to our Facebook uh, and our Twitter feed and our YouTube channel. And then go ahead and share it with Rattler Nation because uh, it's not every day we, we get a Hall of Famer and we get a, I mean, we had this two weeks in a row, we had some great stories by some great people. I mean, we can't, I mean, it's hard to top this kind of stuff, man. You know, this is, uh, this is, this is gold. This is gold. Yeah. Yeah, man. That I I saw, uh, J Mac in the, well, in on YouTube and shout out to everybody on YouTube. Uh, you know, I see uh, J Mac in there, Joe King, uh, uh, watch JDTV. Of course, Dwayne Sweats in there. Uh, appreciate all you uh, folks. I think Mary's in there as well. Uh, appreciate all you guys on YouTube uh, sharing, liking, and uh, you know interacting in the conversation. And, and those on Facebook as well. Uh, some good friends of the program. Uh, you know, I saw a good friend Marcus Yarborough in there, and you said Dexter was in there. Uh, so I mean, lots of. Lots of lots of good people that that we all know. Glad uh, they all had a chance to uh, come in and join us. We I were waiting on. Well, I don't know if it's going to happen because uh, we had planned to have a good friend Curtis Ford join us. Of course, now he's working with uh, Grambling, and he's coming from Jackson State. I guess uh, I'm not sure which which uh, sport had a, a contest at Jackson, but he was kind of about I uh, saw a text he's about maybe 30 miles outside of Grambling so I'm not sure we're going to have him on to kind of talk about just the Grambling perspective but I guess what we'll do guys in this segment you know kind of uh just kind of look at a little bit of the history of FAMU and Grambling um which is kind of interesting to me because you know Grambling is the one of the one school I think in the SWAC that we have a, uh, a, a such a I guess, I don't know what the best way to say it, but we in terms of fifteen games played, we're five and ten against Grambling. Uh, doing a little research for those who may or may not know, the first meeting between these two programs happened in nineteen fifty five. Uh, we lost that ball game twenty eight to twenty one. It was uh, one of five times that legendary coaches. Eddie Robinson and Jake Gaither actually played or coached against each other. Excuse me. That was uh 55. Uh, obviously they, they met again in 64, 67 and 69. So my mistake, that was four times that they met and they split those games two and two uh, were those times that uh, Eddie Robinson and Jake Gaither made. Uh, what is, what do you guys recall? There's a, there was a book that I came across based on the 1967 season. Um, did you guys, are you guys familiar with the 1967 season as it relates to uh, Grambling and BAMU and Gaither and Robinson? Are you guys familiar with that? No, I, I mean, not not really. I, I was three years from being born then. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> uh, there was uh, 
I'm, I'm trying to see if I can, if I can find, I, I had it up and I, I may have checked, check your guys's Insta while I'm, while I'm kind of reading some other stuff. You check your Facebook, uh, check the Facebook messenger because I know I sent some information out about that book, but uh, it, it was, I know that was in the midst of obviously in the midst of the civil rights uh, uh, things that were going on in the country. And it just talked about how Robinson and Gaither were key figures in the civil rights movement because of the popularity of football, because of the impact that football had, uh, those two men, um, had a powerful impact in, um, in, in shaping maybe some of the, the uh, desegregation that, that occurred. And of course, we all remember in 1969, that was the year that was Gaither's last year. And that was also the year that they finally had that game between FAMU and Tampa, which was, uh, I believe, the first game in the South between a uh, historically black school and a PWI, correct? Correct. Correct. So, yeah, so that was the 69 season. Um, Eddie Robinson against Rudy Hubbard. Uh, that was a five-year run between 78 and 82 when FAMU and Grambling played. FAMU went two and three in those five years. And then ever since that, it got kind of bad uh, against, uh, let's see, against Coach Riley Robinson was 3-0. Uh, and uh, 94 was actually Coach Joe. Uh, we won that contest 13-0. But then Coach Joe lost in 2000. I, I'm not sure. Was Robinson still coaching in 2000? No, that was Doug Williams. Okay, that was Doug. We lost that game 10-12. So total records... Coach Joe was one and one against Grambling, Riley 0 and three, Hubbard two and three, Gaither two and two. Um, you know, what you know, and this is for for those of you who are out there who are statistical nerds like I am when you think about matchups in history. Uh let's swing it forward to Simmons versus Fobbs. Those two coaches are very familiar with each other as they had to play every year as part of the state fair classic. I believe it's a state fair classic. Coach Simmons at Prairie View. Coach Fobbs was at Grambling. Uh, Fobbs won all three of those contests, uh, 2015 to 2017. So Coach Simmons is looking for his first win over Coach Fobbs. Uh, Fobbs was even a player on the 1990, I think he said it was the 1992. Two, the night one of the 1992 squad. I think it was 93 actually, because I know we played them. 93. Oh, we lost it, was them 93. it was 93. It was 93. Yeah, he was a player on the 93 squad that you know for Grambling, and they beat uh, they beat us that year. So Fobbs is one and zero as a player against FAMU. Um, so if if you're if you're one, although look, hey, we haven't played Grambling in 22 years. It seems like we should have played Grambling sometime sooner. Right, but uh, 
Both of these schools have 15 black college national champions. I did a count today, 15. So that's what kind of, that's what kind of contest this is. 30 black college national champions are on display. I mean, does it get any bigger than this for a homecoming contest, Calvin? Grambling, fam, you. I mean, this is like blue bloods for homecoming. Scary. No, those, those are two iconic brands when it comes to HBCU football. The two most iconic brands historically. They both have multiple coaches that are recognized um, within the Black College Hall of Fame and the College Hall of Fame and HBCUs. You you have um, Coach Robinson, Doug Williams, of course, who coached his album model for a while. And then, you know, Fobbs had that run from like 14 to 18 where they, they won the swag almost every year, right? Um, right? So, you know, then we have, you know, our, our legends with uh, – um, from Coach Gaither to Rudy to um, Coach Joe, and um, and um, we got a budding um, uh, star now uh, in the making. And so, uh, yeah. now nah, man, it's you know they got a fame band. You know when we were doing that, when uh, Mantra One Hundred was doing the Welch's great commercials and some other things and Super Bowls back in the day, Gremlin was that other band. That yeah. you know we're doing commercials also and going to Super Bowls and so forth. Um, so mm-hmm. our, our histories are a lot alike, actually. And um, man, it, because we haven't played, I would have thought we would have played them more consistently over the years. Um, but we haven't, and we really haven't played them at home much. Most of our, a lot of our matches, especially the recent history, uh, was neutral site things. Uh, I think we played them like in the Celebration Bowl. Uh, Harris Bowl at the time here, and I know that uh, we played them in uh, the Orange Blossom Classic several times. And one of the losses you're talking about, we played them in the Circle City Classic in in, in uh, yeah. Indianapolis. But uh, yeah. but man, um, this you know with the two years away, first homecoming, um, two iconic brands, man, it's, it's a lot of excitement, man. There's a reason to be excited about these two programs. Right, right. Kofi, you when you think about this matchup and you think about the history of these bands, uh let let people know what what can look, I, I for homecoming always is one of those things where the hundred has its uh the, the, the end of the hundreds performance on homecoming is iconic. Uh I don't know how time will work for this what can you tell us or what your thought i mean I'm, I'm serious right i mean will we have time to do the march off uh what is that called kofi break it down for me how, how will that work saturday the hundred has to bring it off homecoming i mean they have to bring it off here's the deal it is a conference football game and not only is it a conference football game it is a big conference yeah. football game um but yeah, uh, I know they're planning to bring it off. Um, hopefully, they'll honor the time limit um, that is there. But that has not—that's never really the case. Normally with homecoming, but Grambling is in fact bringing their band. Um, I think what you can expect from them is a lot of motion. Um, they have a female band director who is actually pretty good. I've seen a ton of improvement with their band. They've got 
uh, multiple arrangers that have enhanced their sound. Uh, they have somebody actually from Florida A&M that is also writing for them. So uh, that in itself is going to make matters a little bit more interesting, especially in the stands and during the fit. Uh, like I said earlier, they are a, a pretty decent dance band. I know a lot of the swag bands don't like to get on the ground, but Grambling is not one of them. So like the 100, they're not afraid to get down and dirty. So it's, it's going to be interesting going forward to see how they do. Um, the 100 has had a tremendous year so far. They've been able to uh, open up the sound a little bit more. They sound great. They've been looking great and really more precise uh, than I've seen in a long time. And I want to say that their energy level has been there. It's just going to be interesting to see if they're going to have that level of energy after all of the performances that they've had to do. But they literally have to bring it because all eyes will be on Bragg Stadium this weekend uh, as the 100 prepares to place uh, the world fame Grambling Tiger Marching Band. That's going to be, it's going to be interesting. going to be interesting to see uh, what happens. Um, we are planning to do a pre-show uh, from a special tailgate location right outside of the stadium this weekend. Positive thinking, Kofi. Positive thinking. We uh, hope. <laughs> yeah, we'll positive see. thinking. We'll see. Right. Well, look, I'll be there. Uh, we've got our uh, camera. We've got our camera uh, woman and producer, uh, Melody Lucas. She'll be joining us. Uh, she'll be out there. So I've done that part. Uh, good friend Kelvin's done his part, which he always does. So he's got he's got the location. I'm bringing the equipment. I mean, look, we just. We just need a signal. We get a signal. It's on. You know, that's all I'm going to say. So you guys be watching out. That may be coming out about 1, 1.30 where we do a little pregame and, uh, you know, and, and we'll kind of we'll kind of see what happens from there, what kind of shenanigans we can get into live on the set. Um, a lot of stuff well, going on around here. Go ahead. Yeah, I wanted to say that, you know, when you were talking about memorable um, – Grambling games. Uh, the one that I remember the most was a game that we, well, two games that I remember is one of them that we lost. And I was a young man and I was very upset. We played them in um, 1982. It was gone as Eddie Robinson was going for his 300th uh, victory uh, against us. And the game was just amazing, man. Uh, Mike Smith, Mr. Excitement, returned it. Uh, all the way to opening kickoff, all the way down to the Grambling Five, and it was just fire, man. And then everybody was looking at the Grambling 300-pound lineman because that was just something that was very unique um, to black college football to see somebody that big. Now 300-pound linemen are pretty much like the norm um, going forward. If you're not 300 pounds, people are looking at you funny. Um, but to have him, everybody was just really excited to see him uh, come out and go against our guys. And then it was 14-14 going into the half. And, man, that darn Tremaine Johnson, number two, just he was he was catching them. He was running back punts, running back kicks. It was just he single-handedly took over the game. And I was so upset. I was just sitting there like, oh, my God, like, why are we losing to this freaking team? I hate Gremlin. I hate Gremlin. Um, but, yeah, man, uh, that's historic. But the other game was back in 1994 
uh, in Miami Gardens. And uh, that was a game where Billy Joe um, refused to give Eddie Robinson the videotape uh, of the team. So they had scouts. They had scouts from, you know, at the Southern game because they I guess they were expecting Southern. We were playing Southern. Southern it was Southern's homecoming. And Billy Joe went in there and beat them. And um, then Eddie Robinson and those wanted to tape. Well, uh, Coach Joe was like, well, you had all this time to ask for a tape. I'm not giving you a tape. And Eddie Robinson was trying to call Coach Joe out, like trying to make He's like, well, I don't personally have to give you a tape because you're not in my conference. So kick rocks. So basically everybody's like, oh my God, like Coach Joe is talking to Ed Robinson like that. <laughs> right. Oh my God, right. boy. And they were undefeated at the time. So everybody was like, oh my God, boy, Gremlin is finna come in there and they're going to be mad and upset. And Coach Joe was like, look, Eddie Robinson and them finna do what they've always done. He said, they're going to do what they've always done. We played them before. They run in the same exact offense. We're going we gonna to do what we do. So, man, he went up in there, and uh, I remember the guys on the bus like, man, Gremlin's going to kick our tail, man, blah, blah, blah. I said, I don't know. I think Coach Joe is kind of confident about how we finna play these guys. And lo and behold, Coach Joe and the Brattlers shut them out in Miami, and Gremlin did not win another game. It was 13-zip. So that was a very, very, very important game. Of course, that stupid game in Indianapolis when we should have beat them. Um, but um, Doug Williams, of course, uh, had a masterful. And let me say that the Bucks' uh, defensive coordinator was the defensive coordinator for Grambling during that game. And he devised a game plan to shut down Queen Gray and Jockway Nunnally dad burn it in that game and hold us to under uh under 20 points and i thought that that was amazing but it was a springboard for him to uh go into the national football league and now he's the defensive coordinator for the tampa bay buccaneers yeah um i'm, I'm glad you brought that game up because i i do remember that game uh the it was an orange blossom classic game matter of fact in Miami and, and probably that was the Joe, it was still Joe, the same location, but it was probably called Joe Robbie back then. There was no roof covering or anything like that. Uh, and I'm reading right out of the FAMU history, FAMU uh, football history book here. The high flying tigers of legendary Eddie Robinson were the number one black college club and ranked number three in division one, double one, double a never. Nonetheless, the underdog rattlers, displayed a relentless defensive dragnet, I love the verbiage there, uh, which completely smothered the vaunted Tiger attack, which was averaging over 47 points a game. Shut them out 13-0, and that game is recognized as one of the, the, uh, one of those top 10 uh, games in FAMU football history. Uh, so yeah, that was, uh, that was a pretty, pretty special game. That one was, um, yeah. Yeah. Todd the, uh, was the defensive coordinator of that game. No, the, Todd Bowles was the defensive coordinator in, uh, I think it was 2001. Was it 2001 that we played them or 2000 that we played Grambling in Indianapolis? Okay. Um, that would have been 2000. Yeah. 2000. 
1969, Florida A&M 23, Grambling State 19. FAMU's victory over the Louisiana Cats was a top brass send-off for retiring coaching legend uh, A.S. Jake Gaither coaching his final game. The game was also a passing of the coaching torch from Gaither to Grambling's budding legend Eddie Robinson, who would go on to win over 400 games and a 50-plus year career. That's interesting to know. 1969, and that was the last game. Uh, FAMU versus uh, Grambling for uh, Jake Gaither. That, that was interesting to know. Uh, and then one more here for you. 1978, FAMU 31, Grambling 7. And what was essentially an NCAA play-in game, the 9-1 Rattlers were told they had to beat Grambling to gain entry into the first-ever 1AA playoffs. FAMU sent a message crushing the traditional uh, uh, OBC nemesis 31 to seven tailback Ike Williams rushed for over 100 yards to become just the second 1,000 yard rusher in a season, uh, in FAMU history. And of course, we do know how the rest of that story ended. Uh, freshman Dorsey Hutchinson had a school record four pass interceptions to help keep the Tigers at bay. And yeah, fam, you went on to kind of do that thing called win a national championship afterwards. So just a little history there between FAMU and Grambling, just to kind of get you guys. So uh, even though we're only five and 10, we just gave you three, three really good wins in that, in that five, five win history. Hey, let's take a break and come back with our bold predictions uh, and just take a tour around the SWAC of the games that are coming up this weekend. We'll be back right after these words. You're watching the ONG Strike Zone. Shop Velvet Online Women's Boutique to spice up your closet with trendy, unique looks. We have fashionable and chic looks at very affordable prices. Velvet Boutique offers free shipping all year long on all orders. Shop online at www.melvetboutique.com. That's Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. Shop Melvin Online Women's Boutique. Charmin Ultra Soft has so much cushiony softness, it's hard for your family to remember. They can use less. Sweet pillows of softness. This is soft. Holy Charmin. Oh, excuse me. Roll it back, everybody. Sorry. Charmin Ultra Soft is so cushiony soft, you'll want more. But it's so absorbent, you can use less. So it's always worth it. Now, what did we learn about using less? You gotta roll it back, everybody. <laughs> we all go. Why not enjoy the go with Charmin? The Cuvée Group is a Florida-based marketing and training consulting firm. We help businesses communicate to their target audience and engage them in conversation. We also help to expand their audiences, which will ultimately result in growth for those organizations. In addition to being a certified constant contact specialist, my colleagues and I are also certified in John Maxwell Leadership Principles. We use these proven principles to conduct workshops, training, and private coaching sessions for individuals and companies looking to take things to the next level. Contact us to schedule a free consultation. Issues today, don't delay. Call Cuvée.
Watch your favorite black colleges. Some of the best players in the land. HBCU. Welcome back to the ONG Strike Zone. Brian Fulford, Kevin Rozier, Kofi Hemingway joining us fresh off the road, man. I tell you, this is a working man, man, but it's a true true to his heart. Even though he got on black and gold, we know deep down inside he bleeds <laughs> orange and green. Curtis Ford, hey, man, thank you for joining us and taking some time. How you doing tonight? Hey, how y'all doing tonight, man? I'm, I'm glad to be on. Uh, I thought we'd be back a little bit earlier, but uh, some bad weather got us and uh, – then, you know, the team wanted to eat, so it took us a little while to get here. Yeah, it's all good. Tell us, what's the experience been like there in Grambling uh, for you? Uh, at Grambling, uh, it's a really, it's really been a family atmosphere. Uh, you can tell they're very prideful out here, especially uh, about their football program. Um, that is truly their crown jewel out here. Um you know, I look at some of the old speeches that we've looked at with, like, Eddie Robinson. And he says, you know, nobody knew where Grambling was until uh, the football program uh, put Grambling on the map, and now everybody knows where it is. Uh, it's been a cool experience. It's been a humbling experience. Uh, you know, I wouldn't trade it. Uh, you know, I miss my orange and green, of course. Uh, but Grambling, you know, it's, it's a great experience because it's such a historic football program to be a part of. Right, right. Calvin, go ahead. Yeah, Curtis, so, um, you know, you, you've been around the block, and I know you dealt with Brian and so forth. So, you know, uh, I know you've got support and so forth. But uh, tell me what it's been like in terms of um, the professional freedom and the resources and, um, and doing the athletic administration there. Um, it's been great. Uh, we have a great uh, athletic director here. We've got uh, – Dr. Travion Scott, he was at Southern University for a long time, uh, played uh, basketball at Southern, uh, you know, owned some records at Southern University. And he's been very open to allowing us to really build this program and really build the brand uh, in a way that the brand hasn't been built before and, and really display it in a way it hasn't been built before. And, and we do have a lot of freedom out here to kind of uh, freestyle it, but within reason, right? Uh, because you have to present the G in a very specific way. Um, so we're very protective of that and we're very careful with how we do that. Um, but the freedom uh, to grow, uh, to be a true professional, uh, it's, it's a very valuable uh, experience. Kofi. Mm -hmm. Hey man, so it's real good to see you. Um, so real quick, how has the cuisine been for you out there in Louisiana and everything? You know, with the food. What's the difference between Florida and Louisiana? with the food up north. I know how South Louisiana gets down, but how is that food up there in Northern Louisiana? You know, that, that's very funny because uh, Northern Louisiana is more of your soul food. Um, you're going to get your mac and cheese up here. You're going to get your greens. You're going to get your collard greens and, and things like that. They tailgate up here uh, really well. Um, but it's not like like Southern Louisiana, like you're not getting a lot of uh, Cajun food, you're not getting a lot of Creole food. It's really 
as they explained to me, more so like South uh, Arkansas. Uh, it's really down home, really like grandma's cooking uh, in this little area. Here. Cool. Mm-hmm. What What is it like, Curtis, being obviously being immersed in growing up in, in a big brand? We were just kind of talking about that earlier, about these are two iconic brands. I mean, these are blue bloods among blue bloods. 30 national championships among the two programs. You, you know, you, you haven't spent so much time growing up and being a Rattler and now and getting the first taste of uh, being there uh, at Grambling. What kind of comparisons or differences uh, are there between the, the, the two institutions that you've been able to pick up in, in this short time? I know it's only been uh, a little bit of time here for you, but what can you get? What can you tell? Right. Uh, SWAC is, is a little bit different than what we used to in the MEAC, right? When we're in the MEAC, uh, you know, you go to another school, they weren't as enthusiastic as you were, right? Well, here, everybody's enthusiastic. Everybody cares about football. That is the bread and butter in the SWAC. No matter how you spin it, no matter how you, how you turn it, it's the bread and butter. There are some differences between how things are done here versus how things are done at Florida and them. Um, I, I think Florida and them, and I'm an alum, so I'm a little biased. Uh, we have one of the best fan bases in all of college football, in my opinion. Um, here at Grambling, they're very passionate. Um, I mean, they're gonna let they're not gonna sit around and do a bunch of losing. They're gonna let you know <laughs> that they want to win. Um, so that that's one thing I really respect about Grambling. That's that's one of the similarities I think between Grambling and Florida and them is that the fans here are very we're not going to sit around and do a lot of losing, all right, without letting you know that, hey, something hasn't changed. And that's how Grambling is. And, you know, one thing I want to talk about, too, uh, being here at Grambling, Coach Fobbs. Uh, Coach Fobbs is absolutely amazing. Um, true family man, true leader, uh, all about discipline, all about order. Uh, and you kind of see it spill over into this team. And, and Grambling's team is young this year. And, you know, watching Coach Fobbs work and really – instill that discipline those guys and, and really accept me into the fold. Everybody here knows I'm a Rattler. I talk about graduating from FAMU all the time here. I think people are probably tired of hearing it. Um, but Coach Fobbs really brought me in and, and really respects what I do, and, and we, we love seeing him go to work with this team every day. It's, it's really a pleasure to watch. Mm-hmm. Calvin. So kind of talk about the, the, the Gremlin team, um, you know, how, how they progressed this year, you know, and, and what can Rattler fans expect to see on um, Saturday from the Tigers? All right. Well, of course, I'm not going to prognosticate. <laughs> um, right. But one thing about this team, uh, they've really started to grow. Um, you know, each week I think they're really getting better. Each week, they're trusting each other. They're trusting the game plan. And and this team, when they get hot on a Saturday, like, they're unstoppable. I, I think back to the Alcorn State game a few weeks ago. It was Alcorn State's homecoming. Uh, we fell down, I believe, 24 to 6. And all of a sudden, this team fought back. Um, you know, watch what we did to Akil Glass and Alabama A&M. You know, when everybody said that this team couldn't do it, um, they really fought back. So, you look at this team, you look at, um, you know, quarterback Noah Bowden. Uh, he's a freshman. Um, he's really stepped up. 
You got some guys around him like Elijah Walker, uh, very good quarterback. I think he's a transfer. And, and another guy who's gotten some burn, Alden Clark, who can who can do some really special things at the quarterback position. Um, but I think the bread and butter of our team is this defense. Uh, this Grambling State defense is phenomenal, phenomenal. Um, I, I believe going into the bye week last week, we led the SWAC in interceptions. Uh, I think we're third in sacks in the conference. Uh, this is an aggressive unit. This is a unit that's going to make you pay if you make a mistake. You can't make too many mistakes around this defensive uh, backfield. Um, and they, they'll come up and they'll hit you and they'll smack you. And, uh, and they do it with discipline. It's not a lot of trash talk. It's all about, hey, I'm coming here to work, and that's what they're going to do. Um, so, yeah, that's what I can say about this team. They're a very special bunch. Uh, they're a very young bunch. And I think the biggest thing for them as well is that they learned how to win this year. Because remember, Grambling had a really bad spring where they went winless. And, uh, you know, watching them beat Tennessee State, who's riding a three-game win streak in OVC right now, and, and watching them beat Alabama and them and, and get a big homecoming victory, um, this team is really starting to come into their own. And uh, they don't really back down from too many challenges. So um, I think Rattler fans can expect a Grambling football team that's going to come out there and play for 60 minutes, um, no matter what. Mm-hmm. All right, Kofi, close us out. Hey, man, so have you had an opportunity to watch the band practice? What has been that interaction with the Grambling Tiger marching band? Because I know you're a band fanatic. What has that experience yeah. been like, and what can Rattler Nation expect coming forward? All right, so I'll tell you this. Uh, I'm not employed by the Grambling Tiger Marching Band, so, you know, I love the March 100. That's always going to be there. My dad marched in the 100. Um, you know, it's just something that's just been in me. Um, but Grambling Tiger Marching Band, they are the, the world fame, we should say, the world fame, uh, very entertaining to watch. You know, I heard them practicing late last night uh, over and over and over and over and over again, so they got this one particular move right. Um, I think when people go to Tallahassee and they see the 100 on their schedule, um, I think everybody knows that they have to bring their A game when you go up against the March 100. Not just in the stands, but you got to bring it at halftime because we know the March 100 does what they do at halftime. Um, so the world fame, um, you know, I think they want to come down there. They want to give Tallahassee a show uh, in a way that, you know, Tallahassee probably hasn't seen it from a visiting band in a while. So um, very entertaining bunch to watch. Very good bunch to watch. Very energetic. Uh, Orchises, uh, the dance troupe, uh, you know, very good to watch as well. So uh, I think it's going to be uh, – fans are going to be in for a treat on Saturday. Awesome, man. Thank you. Nice. Uh, what kind of what kind of uh, crowd, uh, what kind of contingency from Grambling will be traveling to Tallahassee? What do you think it will look like? Ooh, uh, that's a good question with those hotel prices. <laughs> those hotel prices uh, man I, I don't know <laughs> but I, you know I think everywhere we've gone this season uh, Gremlin fans have followed um, you know luckily we're in a spot where we don't have to travel too far um, I think the furthest we've been is Ohio and, and Tallahassee is the second furthest we'll go this season um, but they follow and they're everywhere um, so I think you'll see uh, a good contingent of uh, Grambling State fans on Saturday. Um, right there, chanting GS, GS, GSU. I thought you knew that's their chant here. Um, 
which really gets the crowd going. Uh, it's, it's, it's one of those things that you just have to kind of see in person, uh, kind of feel the energy. Um, but yeah, I think, I think Tiger Nation is going to come and, uh, support, uh, this football team. Um, I mean, they still got a lot to play for. Um, you know, even if a swag title doesn't happen this year, uh, they've still got a lot to play for. Still got the big Bayou Classic, which I'm excited to experience for the first time. Uh, I've never been to New Orleans, <laughs> and I've never been to the Bayou Classic. So um, there's a lot on the table for this team to play for. Um, and mathematically, this team is still in the SWAC uh, West race. Um, there's still some things that can happen. Um, so that's that's one thing I think, you know, is something to look at as we go on Saturday is that this team still has a lot to play for. Um, so they're not, they're not packing in by any means. I mean, they're practicing right behind me right now. Uh, I don't think we can see inside the hole, but they're practicing and it's, it's a lively practice, energetic practice and they're and they're getting after it, man. All right. So, uh, Grambling state will win this weekend if they do what? Whoo. Told you, man, I don't want to prognosticate. <laughs> um, but Grambling, Grambling to win. Uh, they protect the football. If they move the football consistently uh, and stay disciplined as they have, uh, you know, I have faith in this Grambling State defense that they can make some some things happen. Um, you know, I think it just comes down to this offense dealing with guys like Marquise Bell and Zay, uh, you know, uh, Isaiah Land and and Antoine Collier and guys like that that, you know, make it so hard on offenses at FAMU. Um, I think this Gremlin offense has to really be able to move the ball, protect the ball, and control the tempo of the game. Because uh, I have full faith in this defense. Okay. Uh, Kelvin and Kofi, coming to you guys now. Uh, the matchup again Grambling coming in with an overall record of three and four, two and two in the SWAC. FAMU overall record five and two, three and one in the SWAC. Uh, Kelvin, how do you see this one going down? Have groups as I as I stated, I have great respect for Brock, uh, Coach Fobbs. Been there a long time. I do think this team is coming in, um, gelling right. They 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 getting hot at the right time, and um. So I I I did this to be a dog fight, right? I know it's senior day for the Rattlers and and we hungry, and, but I, like Curtis mentioned, I really respect this defense and their ability to create turnovers, right? So I'm gonna be a little bit more conservative than I've been uh, the last few weeks, and I, I'm gonna say it's a homecoming win for FAMU. But uh, let's go. I'm gonna predict less than thirty points this time. I'm going to say 2017, something like that. Whoa, 20 to 17. All right. Uh, Kofi, what do you got? Yeah. I'm going to go uh, 2814, fam, you. Okay. All right. All right. Um, yeah, I, I definitely see under 20. Uh, so I'll go uh, 2717. FAMU, 27-17. Uh, I, I think we'll get a late score to bump it up to 27. That's where I see. Uh, Curtis, we're not going to make you put any – we're not going to make you put any score predictions out there. So uh, 
we, we that's why we kind of asked the way we uh, asked it earlier. So uh, uh, you will be you will be traveling in town. I'm assuming to Tallahassee. Yes, yes. So I, I'll be coming down on Thursday. Um, coming down a little bit earlier because my my sister she uh you know she she had a little surgery, a little procedure. Um, so coming down a little bit earlier to have some more time to kind of enjoy being with my uh, family and kind of spend some time with my family. Uh, it is FAMU's homecoming. Good Lord uh, made it to where I could come to FAMU for homecoming. So I'm definitely going to enjoy being in my hometown and on my campus. Uh, and I miss Perry Street. We don't have Perry Street here at in Granville. <laughs> we don't. Or any of the other schools we've gone to. So I miss Perry Street. I need me some food. So, yes, I'll be there this weekend. Uh, you know, win or lose, I win. So, hey. <laughs> There, hey, there you go. There you go. Well, uh, you have uh, you, you travel safe back home. And uh, if you're around the stadium Saturday afternoon, we're going to be doing a pregame show. Feel free. Uh, look for uh, look for Kelvin's tailgate because that's where we'll be uh, doing our pregame show about one thirty, you know, or so. So uh, if you get a chance, you know, feel free to stop on by. And uh, we, we'll put you on the air or whatever. Tell bring Brian through too. You know, we, we give we we'll give both y'all a little bit of love on the air. You know, we we so uh, yeah. So that'll that'll so be looking out for that. Okay. Absolutely, I'll be there. I'll be there. Uh, All right, and early on Saturday morning. <laughs> Woo, man! I tell you, ready for a long day. Hey, well, you guys, uh, safe travels, uh, and uh, let's hope for a good game, and everybody have a safe weekend um all right so that's gonna do it for this homecoming edition look we had all kinds of rattlers come home we got curtis that uh rattler we had greg coleman a rattler uh and then we had coach constance or folks we can't give it to you any better than this uh rattlers you guys have a great safe weekend look for us saturday afternoon outside of the stadium we're gonna be doing a pregame show Kind of about 1 o'clock, 1.30. We're going to look to kind of go live for about an hour or so and just kind of once again reset the game and, and uh, maybe some of the festivities that we've seen. Looking forward to uh, the epic return of the greatest homecoming in the galaxy, as Kofi said. So uh, that's, what's, that's what's up this upcoming weekend. So for uh, Kofi Hemingway and Kelvin Rozier, my name is Brian Fulford. Thank you, Rattler Nation. Thank you for watching. Be safe out there. Hey, Rattler Nation, make sure you guys strike, strike, and strike again. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Peace out.